the band anymore. Please hang up and try again. Christian Radio, I'm Chip Gibson, the tree hugger, man, it's like homecoming week here. We've got uh, the, the standing room only in the studio tonight. Uh, um, long lost, coming from only he knows where, and if he tells you, he'll have to dis- make you disappear. The man with the golden voice. Yeah, we'll pick this one. Oh, very nice. Yeah. You very nice. Yeah, you know, after, after, after some time away, you know, just a, just a little rocking back and pouring <laughs> the fingers in, in the glass and just, uh, just <laughs> relaxing and having a good time with my buddies and my friends. Yeah. So, Mr. Becker, you have been absent for a while, and then you send me pictures of fish and other little things. It's like very cool, man. So yeah, it's, been, uh, it's good, good to be back on the planet. Nice. Welcome back. You were missed. Thanks. But you have frozen confections, and that's well. good. I, I do have frozen confections, and that's uh, that's the highlight of any evening, I, I must say. A frozen confection after some meal prepared with some sachets seasoning, right? Actually, the saturates was last night. Tonight was uh, oh, okay. tonight was sauteed mushrooms and garlic, but it's all good. It's all good. I had I received this box. We were at the shooting range the other day, and one of the fellows says, "You like tomatoes?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." So he brings me over this flat, and I mean, these are these big, huge cat head tomatoes. I mean, they're huge, and uh, so I cut them in half, sprinkle a little olive oil on them threw some sachets on top, put them in the roaster for about three hours till they caramelize real nice, and then blended them all up. Nice. Put them over a little pasta. And Very nice. Then, then after that, a frozen confection just to top it all off. So we'll let the rest of the guys in on what the frozen confections are later. But um, our our New Jersey element, yo, Matt, forget about it. Yo, you got those Jersey beefsteaks over there? You know where the tomatoes come from. The beefsteaks. That's right, man. How you doing, Matt? All right. Glad to be on with you guys. Bunch of legends in here tonight. Yeah, legends night, right? And I'm serious, dude. Did you not see the... the, There was some uh, shark attack on a kayaker. There were two ladies kayaking off the coast there, and they got hit by... Nobody saw the fish, but it was it was a big bite mark on the bottom of the kayak. No, I but, didn't see uh, that. We'll hear about it. 
Um, I've actually been busy. Um, my, my wife was in the hospital for the past oh, few days. Oh, so She's on that. She's okay. Yeah, she was in a car accident about a year ago, and she had a, uh, a herniated disc rupture on Tuesday morning. So she couldn't get out of bed. So we had to go to the hospital, emergency surgery. So I've been away from the news. Bummer, dude. Uh, Mr. Becker and I are, but I think everybody in the in the uh, studio tonight is familiar with the herniated disc game, and it's not a fun one. So, Definitely. and also, our our host of the Wednesday night low sodium show in to get a little bit of salt in his life tonight with us, the landing crew himself, Mark Wheeler. What's up, dude? Mute button, man. Hit the mute button. You're all right, Mark. Yeah, that always helps to turn off the mute button. <laughs> uh, I'm sitting here and I'm making fun of Matt the whole time. Nope, doesn't work when you have the mute button on. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't happen that oh, yeah. way. And how are you, Mark? What's up? I'm doing good, doing good. Just uh, enjoying the time, opening up a, a fresh box of uh, or package from Tommy Head Jigs. And, right. Uh, marveling at the at the awesomeness and the new color that he he added, or just for me, it's it's, it's awesome. Tommy's got Love a new it. jig. Uh, no, it's a new color. A new or color. It's a, it's a color just for me kind of thing. Uh, one of my favorite colors for salt water and for super super clear water is what's called Copperhead. It's 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 got a coppery it was copper colored, but it has uh, like some black flakes and green and uh, a little bit of red flake in it uh-huh. and for the jig head. And it really, really, really looks good in, in, in salt water. I catch tons of reds and trout with that jig head um, matched with you know certain colors. Uh, but in the freshwater, it is, uh, it is stellar for clear lakes or, or rivers where you have uh, gobies and, and um, you know small suckers and and a and bunch of other small little bait fish where you can take a, 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 a Senko or um, like a straight tail finesse worm, five-inch finesse worm in sand color or right. color with that the same variation and just drag it along the bottom and bass will come from 20 yards away and just hammer it. And it only really works in, in clear water uh, that I've found because they, they match that bottom sandy color. Uh-huh. I saw I saw yeah. on Facebook the other day Holly was uh sporting the new Tommy uh jig uh, Tommy Head Jigs uh t shirt there, the bright pink. So Yeah. Pretty cool. Uh, I'm not privileged enough to have a big big old head on my back yet, so No, I see there. Well <laughs> but uh I'm sure Tommy'll gonna... send you a pink one. Yeah, just ask him. <laughs> I'm sure we'll see him down at the Boondoggle this year. Let me uh, let me jump in here and say hi to my buddy. Yo, Cap, what's going on, man? Hi, man. Just, uh, I, I know on, you man. didn't. I know you didn't push the button. You're just lurking there, but I had to holler at you. War Eagle. Yeah, man. War Eagle. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead. Sorry, uh, technology, man. I do this stuff all day long. I come home and it's like I want to turn stuff work. off. Yeah, it doesn't work at the house. <laughs> Here's a barber with the bad haircut, man. 
Yeah, I'm anxious to come down to the Boondog. We went and uh, spent a week at the uh, Outer Banks, and uh, all we did was get our bait wet. Yeah. Not 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 a doggone thing. Now the hurricane just missed us, the one that skirted the coastline a couple of weeks back. Right. We were there, you know, there two after that, and uh, I, that's that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Too much fresh water out there. Yeah, just you and Pete coming down, or? Yeah, me and Pete, we're gonna do the camp the campground deal this year. Uh huh. Looking forward to it. Are you just gonna empty out the boxes and sleep in the coffins? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, we're getting Dude. lots of comments. We were down at the beach, and people were stopping us saying, hey, can we take pictures? Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. No, those are nice-looking. That's a nice-looking trailer. Cat was Dave Cabot's here from uh, – you're in Maryland, or you're in Virginia? Virginia. Yeah. And, up by the most airport. So Dave and his brother – or like headed down to Boondoggle with us, and he gets the what was that a, a northern tool or what what trailer yeah, was that you guys uh, put together? Yeah, one of those little red trailers. trailer, little red trailer. Every time you ever read anything about those, they always say the first thing you do is change the bearings out, Dave. <laughs> How hard is it to find a bearing for that trailer? <laughs> Uh, on, a, on a weekend in Greensboro, North Carolina, not easy. Not easy, yeah. Yeah, but they made it down. We and we're good, man. We we've had the map. We did the the shakeout cruise. It's uh, we got the up racks on it. Uh, the whole nine yards. Everybody will see it when we get down there. Nice. The work of art. Nice. Well, hopefully, we'll catch some fish. Yeah, man. So. All right. So, um. Who's been catching any fish? So you didn't catch any fish. You said you went out to the Outer Banks right after the hurricane, though. That's not really a good time, though. But yeah, probably and a lot of rain, you know, yeah. I, and I really do seriously think there was too much fresh water out there. We paddled, and we were on the water three or four different days uh, in the sound, uh, in the inlet. You know, we went out to the breakers. Not a Right. Nothing. Not a dog. Right. Had a hell of a time, you know, good exercise. <laughs> Yeah, good exercise. And Mr. Becker has been up in the wilds of New York with the fly rod and the buggy whip doing the, the trout thing. So he's caught some fish. Give him a point. Matt, did you catch any fish last weekend? Yeah, I caught about 50 fluke, but the only problem was they were all from 12 inches to about 15 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> 12 to 15 and a half, and the legal limit is? 18. Oh, dude. I was going to say, it would be yeah, really bad if you were catching those 17s. Yeah. No, that's nice, man. What kind that's of rig were you using in a row, for those? What, what kind of rig, Matt? Uh, I, I, used, I just jig them up, uh, Spro jig. I uh, put a dropper loop on with a teaser hook, a little bit of bucktail on that. And uh, tip it with some gulp or uh, or some cut bait or some uh, freeze, frozen uh, spearing or silver sides, they call them. Cool. How about you, Mark? Mark, you been catching any fish anywhere? Or you just doing turtles now? Nah, I, um, I was able to go out pretty much every day, Labor Day weekend, and um, you know, fished really hard and 
got absolutely bupkis out of it. <laughs> Nothing, huh? I went all I went from Friday to Monday, you know, spending at least five hours out in the water and only had a couple of bites and didn't land any of them and absolutely had me in a bad, bad juju. I mean, I was throwing things and pulling Iconellis and just losing my mind. And then um was able to get out Tuesday for a few hours. Uh-huh. And um, I don't know what it was about Tuesday. I just kind of, I guess I tweaked one little thing differently uh, and was bay on them. I think I caught 20 bass and uh, was able to, you know, catch some that were pretty decent, you know, four and a half, five pounders. So nice. that, that was a humongous confidence boost coming up to this weekend where I have a tournament that I have to finish. So. All right. And I said, Mark is our Wednesday night host on the Low Sodium Show. He catches those green fish. Um, that's cool, man. I, I'm I'm totally envious. Like I said, I've totally forgot how to fish. Uh, I do have a fishing rod on the on the lathe right now that I'm working on. Maybe I'll have it done by the time the boondoggle comes around. I did finish one. I was trying to experiment. I saw those uh, the microwave guides, you know. Yeah, and I had a hunch that it's more not so much the guide because you know they have that one the 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 first guide that they use after the reel. It's got that little insert in it, you know, to cap yeah. to settle the, the the line down. Well, I just use some uh, regular Fuji uh, ceramic guides, but I put them on the I I set them up on the on the rod the same way as they would the wave guides. You know, I put a nice big uh, first guide on there, and then I just put the same, I, I think I went down two sizes, and then I got like six guides all the way out to the tip that are the same size. On a seven and a half foot medium, medium rod, not a fast rod. But I like a little, nice. I like it to be a little limber. And man, that thing will throw a freaking spook across the yard into the neighbor's yard, over the fence, and then catch on the chain link fence. I mean, it's like that thing will throw a spook a mile. Like, yeah. You know, and, and what we also understand about those microwave guides is that there's actually a, a science behind the placement, and and you know, the, a lot of companies or smaller. Uh, uh, rod builders, small little rod builders out there, um, you know, they, they, they're they so in tuned with their, their habit that they just throw them on and then they have people coming in and saying, oh, these guys, these guys suck and this and that. Well, it's not the guys no. are awful. It's that they weren't placed correctly. And, right. and the whole science behind, you know, the, the line coming off and, and the, the, you know, the whip that it has and having it come in just right so the, that spin the line has, you know, is that it's, you know, most minimal, minimalistic uh, rotation is pretty pretty wild. Um, yeah. I'm not a fan of them, personally. Uh, I, I personally, because, you know, I like to skip my baits, and I like, you know, the, 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 the free flow that I have with it. Um, they're just not for me. But, you know, for, you know, because I'm, I'm trying to make real accurate pinpoint casts, and I find that it kind of slows the bait down a little bit. Uh, yeah. That's my opinion, but you know, for saltwater guys or anyone who's trying to get distance, it's, yeah, it's when a you're great out on thing. A flat. Or if you have a 
serious problem with, with uh, wind knots. It really helps with that as well. Yeah. But I know um, last time I was down with Becker, he had a bull bay rod, right? Do you, and it wasn't a bull bay, Greg, that had the waveguides on it? Uh, no, I didn't actually have a, I didn't actually have a rod that had the microwaves on it. I thought you did. Who had the microwave nope. guys? Nope. Okay, I take it back. I I redact my statement, Senator. Um, I mean, I've got one coming, and I know there'll be se- there should be several of them at the at the boondoggle, but yeah, uh, I did not have one of those yet. I've thrown them. Uh, I've done a lot of side by side playing with them up at the. At some of the demos we've done, you know, with full bay rods, but I've not yet the official form. Um, yeah, well, when I when I put the guide on, you know, and this is kind of like maybe our little tech talk for tonight without the music intro, but that first guide I use like a I use like a thirty ring, and whenever I right. build a rod, I build the rod to the reel that I'm going to use on the rod first of all because. It's the diameter of the reel, of the spool on the reel that you're going to use. And this is a spinning rod for you guys listening to the podcast or just listening as guests. Uh, I was going to say that makes sense if you're going to build it to uh, uh, the reel, being that yeah. it might be a spinning rod or a casting rod or something. Right. <laughs> but and then, well, it's, yeah. it's actually more along the, the line of the size of the arbor of the reel. When you have a, a skinny arbor... Right. You know, that line comes off there real tight. When you have a wide yeah. arbor, like the ones I have, uh, I, I bulk up my, the arbor on them. You know, the line comes off, and it's a big swinging. Big loop I mean, coming you off. You see it when it comes off. It's a big loop yeah. coming off. Yeah, and, really and I mean, matters. I've seen, and so with that first uh, with that first guide, I use like a 30 ring for a uh, 3,000 sized spool. Actually, I think this rod I put the, I had a um, the Spin Fisher Five is what I did. It's a black rod. I used black with uh, gold metal uh, rings on it, and uh, there. But that first that first guide, I I put them on based on the recommendations for the wave guides because I'm the rod I've got on the lathe right now. I'm putting the wave guides on it, and so I put those rings on there the same way, and then. I run the line through it, mount the rod, the reel, and for that I'll I'll put some weight on it and then kind of load it up a little bit, and then I'll move that first guide using you know just a piece of tape or something to hold it on there. I'll move that first guide back and forth in front of the spinning reel until when I'm doing the spinning reel that the line is just nicely tracking the circle of that uh, of that guide. That it's not coming off of it; it just stays tangent to that line, and that's where I, that's where I set that first guide, and then the rest of them I just kind of balance it out so that I've got a nice even pull when the rod's loaded up. And man, that sucker it'll cast a mile. So I'm now, like I said, I'm building another rod with the wave guides on it. I'll use that. I'll probably put it together the same way, and. You know, then we can do a little side by side. Hopefully, I'll have it done by the time we get down to Boondoggle. But it's, it's interesting. Have you, done any experimenting with the, have you done any experimenting with the height of the guide off the rod as well as the diameter of that that yes. first guide? Yes, I, I use really long offset guides to make sure that I've got that. You know, if if it looks like um, the first ring is going to be too far away, you know. 
I don't, it's kind of a feel to it, but I, I don't want it so close to the reel that, you know, that it's getting all that flapping and stuff of the line coming off of the reel. I don't want it to inhibit it too much. And it shouldn't be more, there's like a little, uh, there's a little math formula that you use based on the diameter of the spool. And you take that and multiply it by some number and some algebra. And it gives you like so many inches from that first guide. I don't know who came up with it, but uh, that's, and, and you want to make sure that the guide is offset far enough so that you get a nice even line coming in. And then within the first three guides, you want that line to be tame. And then I use the same size all the way out to the tip. And I think I've got nine guides on a seven and a half foot, eight or nine. Yeah, I, I like more guides on my spinning rods, you know, because you got that that whole parabolic coming around, and that the, the more yeah. guides you have means less strain on the line per guide. So the more yeah. you have, the better it is. That's my opinion on that. Um, I think, you know, and, well, and, and that falls right into the the same uh, process as the micro guides for the casting rods now, you know, which leads to uh, other topics. But you know, those those micro guides, I mean, they're they're itty bitty tiny, and you know, when you when you look at it, when you make a cast with a casting setup, and you watch that line come off the spool, and what's funny is most people think that the line comes off the spool the first 30 yards or 30 feet, uh, depending on how far you cast. When the line comes off that spool, it's actually in a wave pattern. Uh, you like you see on the you know the old electronic you know uh, uh, pulse waves. That's the way yeah. it looks coming off the the reel. But those micro guides they do. Is they they control that you know the same way that that microwave is, you know they, it controls it and allows for smoother transition through the rest of the guides, and it really improves you know casting and accuracy as well. You know and it's just amazing how we've we've gone from, you know, even ten years ago, casting setups really big big eyes to to allow you know flow of of line was a thought process to now knowing that, well, that's not what we really need to do. We need to control the line that goes through there to better optimize its, its, uh, its trip through the, through the guide. So it's pretty, pretty cool how we've, we've made this transition in the past four or five years to this new thought process. It's pretty cool. I'd like to set it for three minutes and get a baked potato out of there. <laughs> the microwave uh, Sorry, I'm still in Pun City. Yeah, here we go. Here we go, Matt. Ah, thanks. All right. Um, I'm thinking more of crickets. Yeah, but um, well, with those little micro guides, though, didn't you? Did you have one of those, Becker? The little microwave, the little bitty guides. The micro guides. No, I have. No. Nope. You had a rod that you put in the door of the car and smashed it. You did that, right? Yes, and thank you for reminding me. That was my tarpon <laughs> rod, actually. That, that was okay. the that was the brute force, the bull bay brute force rod that I uh, um, I, I accidentally applied an improper amount of force using the the vehicle door frame. Uh, yeah, to and a this is what it sounded like. Hey. <laughs> that's what it sounded like. Yeah, I, that's all I and could that was hear. The rod, and that wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> No, the, those little micro guides, though, Mark, they won't work for a goober head like me because I tie a knot that's too big, 
And as soon as I started to reel that thing through, it just peeled them all off of the line. They'd all be, and I can't, there's no way I could even wrap one of those onto a fishing rod because I'd pour them out of the package and then I wouldn't even be able to find the damn things because they're so small. Yep. Yeah. You you see crawl around you'd lose them in the carpet. And, but, you know, and then that's, I was coming to that point where there's other topics about those micro guides is that, you know, if you, if you're an angler who runs braid to floro or, or, you know, does double line line connections like that. Micro guides are not the rod you want to use. Uh, and and that's, that's a sad thing, you know, because I, I would love to be able to do that. But that for a positive side for, for myself is because of the bass fishing scene that I'm in and, and, and where I'm going with, with this in my fishing career is that, you know, it helped me understand that, you know, I'm saving time. Okay, in, in relative term, I'm saving time by not having two knots in my setup, you know, where yeah. I'm going in and, you know, using a 24-inch leader by noon because I'm changing baits constantly or changing presentations or, or just retying in, in general, you know, I have to retie that, that, that knot. And yeah. the last thing I want to have worry in, in my whole scheme of, of everything I need to worry about on, on a tournament day is if the that line line connection is correct, the last thing I want yeah. to do is break off a five six pounder, you know, and that that's where I, I transition to using, you know, either a all braid, you know, straight braid, which is great for you know top waters and uh, flipping and pitching and stuff like that, or going straight fluorocarbon, you know, which yeah. in, in the fluorocarbon terms, you know, using a great line conditioner, spraying the guides. You know, mm-hmm. you, you feel less vibration. That's the great thing about the full base is you feel the vibration of the, the line going through the guides when you make a cast. You actually diminish that feel um, by doing that. You know, and, and it, like I said, there's a whole, you know, with, with every guide and every every line choice and everything that, that you do, there's, you know, and my eyes have been open to this, you know, in the past two years, is that, you know, everything's for a reason and everything is, is for time. You just need to find that time for that reason to make it work. That's prophetic, man. Not pathetic, prophetic. Yeah, so very good. You know, Cabot's, I would figure, you know, with the way you always tinkering around building stuff, that you would have built your own rods every once in a while. You ever tried it? That's a a retirement job. The time time crunches, and we can do big things. It's the little things that just take dedicated time <laughs> it ain't there yeah so that, no. so a good question right so so do you prefer i mean i, I fish uh three or four saint croix rods that i that i like to fish the most but, yeah uh, you know there must be 20 rods in the garage but the three that i three or four that i tend to fish most are all saint croix do you have you tried to match up a, a one of the better quality rods that are on the market out there versus you know, one that you made yourself. Oh yeah, I mean, mine aren't don't have like real fancy wraps on them and stuff like that. I'm not out for like you know pretty rod. I want a functional rod, so yeah. I'm not building them. I'm not building with you know the the weave on there. You know that's got the American flag and stuff like. Not that I wouldn't do it if I could, but um, I just I get a I get a, a model rod that I like, and I think it's like a nine nine hundred medium medium seven and a half footer that i like and um and i'll build a, i'll build a build a rod 
put the put the uh, guides on it, put a cork handle on it, and uh, get it out and get it fishing. And it fishes good. And I mean, we've talked before on the show about the difference that it does make. You know, from going and buying, uh, you know, a a fifty dollar combo with you know the Shakespeare reel and all that and. I've caught some big fish on that, and they're fine. But the difference that it makes when you're trying to do a presentation to a snook that's hanging in underneath a mangrove, or you know, and it's just the control that you have with a nice rod, it makes a huge difference. I mean, my brother-in-law is one that's like, I only paid fifty dollars for this setup, and it's like, yeah, you can't catch any fish. Yeah, so. and I've never seen you. I've never seen you with a bent rod, so. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and I mean, and then when you've got a big fish on on that, you know, it's like you know, Mark. You know, he's he's worried about losing a fish and it coming up with that little pigtail curl on the end of his line. You know, showing that he screwed up the the knot. And I mean, I'd hate who? Oh, freaking uh, yak yak tastic there, man. He's always out there. I think. For the first couple of years I fished with him, man, he broke a rod every time we were out there fishing. And, you know, he's like, well, that's why I buy cheap ones. And it's like, well, I oh yeah, you could buy a lot of cheap ones. Yeah, yeah, Rob. Rob looks at a rod, and he goes to pick it up, and he can just move to the side like, hey, you see this rod? Snap. Like, yeah. What the hell, man? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but. Well, and then, you know, the other yeah, thing, too, I, you can't. You can't build rods as cheap as you can buy them. I and I have a bunch, I have a stack of St. Croix in, in the rod holders out in my garage. I love the St. Croix. I like them. They're a decent rod. They've got pretty good quality control um, for a decent price. But uh, when you build a rod, there's no way you can even compete with, you know, to, to try to build a rod as cheap as you can buy one, a decent rod. Yeah. I mean, so... You, you build it just because it's like, oh yeah, I made this and I caught fish with it. That's that's really kind of what I think about it. I mean, especially after you buy a, you know, you got a rod lathe and that costs you 150 bucks, and you've got you know all this toxic uh, fume chemicals that you're putting on there. You know, your epoxy and you got things stuck to the dining room table and all that kind of stuff. So. There's there's a lot of grief that you got to go through to build one. So, but uh, but yeah, I mean, so, you could like, you could like you easily earlier, build. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, Mark. like you said earlier, you know, you could match that rod to the reel you have. So, for a great example, um, I just had a, a bull bay. We worked together for a little while making a, a jerkbait topwater, you know, uh, a reaction uh, rod. And first thing I told him is, you know, let's make it because, you know, I'm a big, you know, believer in lose reels. You know, uh, you know, let's take the, the lose tournament MG and, and I'll send it to you. Let's, let's see if we can put that on the rod and, you know, work it through. And we, we work back and forth to find, you know, you know, that perfect length that, that fit me, you know. And, right. and, you know, we ended up with like a third, you know, like a, I don't even want to see 12 inch. I think it was like a nine inch butt section and then you know, uh, the real seat and then where we place the, you know, the, the guides and everything to help, you know, transition the rod. So, you know, instead of doing, you have that ability doing that when you build your own rod, you know, to make that rod 
perfect for what you want to do. You know, besides right. going out and and you know going to the local Bass Pro or Cabela's or Kmart and you know just picking up a rod and going, this might work. And then you find that it's absolutely not what you want, and you waste that that, that time and money, or you find that it's just not comfortable once you put that reel on there. So, first yeah. thing I tell everyone who asks me, you know, what should I, what kind of rod do I buy, or what kind of reel do you have? And they go, well, I don't have a reel yet. Well, first thing you do is you buy that reel. You know, don't, <laughs> don't skimp on the reel. <laughs> don't do that. Please don't buy a good reel. No, then, that's the... You know, match to the rod. Yeah, I think that's... See, for me... You know, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go on. No, for me, I mean, I have a lot of custom rods um, that my father built me when I was a kid and stuff, and... I honestly leave them at home because I'm fishing off a kayak, and I don't want to cry if I lose one. <laughs> yeah. I lost I lost one of the first rods that I ever made, and the day we were fishing with Tommy out on the pond, it was a nice little, it was a little uh, five-foot uh, trout rod, a little fast ultralight, and I had built that thing to a, uh, I think it was a, a 5,000 series pen reel, and I built it and matched it all up. And that sucker was so cool because you could just cast under any kind of tree branch or anything with that. It was an accurate little caster. It wouldn't cast far, but you could really be accurate with it. And uh, flipped the kayak and lost the lost the rod. So I tie them all in now if I'm just goofing around. But, yeah, that's kind of the thing, you know. And actually, you know, like you are saying, Matt, I mean, those are kind of, I've got I've got one rod in the garage that was built by my grandfather, and I don't think I would ever fish with it. It's just kind of something I'll hang up on the wall or something like that. It's funny. I've lost more rods fishing out of a bass boat, you know, kicking <laughs> them in or knocking them in or, or doing whatever, than I've lost kayak, you know, in the past 10 years of me being on the kayak. It's just... Yeah. I just think it's a funny thing that more people are worried about losing them on a kayak than they are on a bass boat. Yeah. Or no, I've boat. lost yeah, You know what happens. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I've happens. been kayak fishing eight years now, I guess, and I've only lost one rod knock on plastic, and uh, oh. I'm happy about that, and I'm happy it was just this Daiwa, you know, something I could replace. Yeah. That's, the, that's just the way I look at it. Yeah. I would think, you know, going back to the custom rod thing, if you were going to buy a rod from a custom builder like Bull Bay or one of the other man, you know, groups, the guys that are building them out there now, I would probably do like Mark suggested and, and, you know, maybe at least have a chat with them and say, this is the kind of reel that I've got. Uh, because I think it does make a difference when the the rod and the reel are matched up, you know, it, 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 it puts together a really nice package and the balance can be made and stuff like that. And it can be, if you, if you're working with a custom rod builder, they can certainly adjust the rod to make it fit the reel. So, I mean, it can be done. You can add weight to it and stuff like that. Um, I like to have the butts of my rods a little bit shorter. I like them about eight inches so they don't hit hit me in the gut when I'm sitting in a kayak, that kind of thing. I know, Mark, you're fishing off a bass boat at times in your tournaments and stuff like that, so you like a little bit longer butt to fight the fish. And, and you use bait casters too, right? I don't yeah, carry and actually, anymore. <laughs> the one thing that I'm, I'm I'm finding now is that the shorter butt, even on the the bass boat, as long as your your rod is evenly balanced, you know, depending yeah. on on how on what style you're using, and again, this is getting into more technical stuff. But when you find the correct balance of what you're going to be doing, like I was mentioning before, that jerkbait frog rod, you know, my 
my whole day, you know, especially coming up here, you know, starting probably in you know late October, going all the way to April, is for me going to be running, you know, base like a jerk, a hard jerk bait, where I'm sitting there and snapping that rod, you know, depending on the water temps, the activity of the bass, you know, every every couple of seconds, and, and do it pretty vigorously, you know, to at the end of the day, you, you know, you're all cramped up and you know, you know, take my strong arm, you know, kind of going on, <laughs> but. Yeah. You know, having that, that shorter butt, you know, it doesn't knock against your forearm and it doesn't smack against your belly if you're if you've uh enjoyed the the flavors of the world. You know, That's so right. this way, you know, it gives you that ability to to work freely, allow, you know, not just the, the arm muscles but the back muscles and, and everything else and a presentation of that lure be consistent the whole day. It doesn't matter how tired you get. So Yeah. You're 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 staying quiet, Mr. Becker. You have any comments on the the custom rod? No, I think that you know we're we're all uh, all walking down the same paths here. I think that uh, the you know the the one thing that we haven't talked a lot about is not only the size of the the arbor, but that with different size reels they stand off. You know your center point of your of your reel spool will stand off the rod different distances. And that yep. also makes a, you know, a very large difference in the angle of the line when it's coming into your first guide. Uh, yes. And I found that that makes a big difference in the way in the way you cast. Uh, it, it makes a difference in the way you pick the line up and how you hold it, as well as how it comes through those guides when you cast. So it's just yep. another factor that I look at. Or uh, you know, when I was, um, I had never got into rod building, but I had uh, a buddy of mine that I used to guide with in New York that was very much into it. And uh, that's something we always looked at with the rods he made was, you know, not only what size, uh, what size arbor or what size school were you dealing with, but how far did it stand off, and what was the center point of the, of the reel? How far was that off? And that went into, went into the calculations about, you know, where the first guide was going to be, what it was going to be, that kind of stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's that's a great point. Yeah. And most people don't realize is that with those low profile reels that are out now, that line guide is a humongous hindrance the 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 line coming off the reel it's actually meant to start really start working critically pretty much with the spool half full uh, something that the uh, uh, reel manufacturers do because most people don't fill them correctly I've actually got a reel it's an old quantum KVD smoke you know tour grade whatever that I took a Dremel tool and actually cut out the whole gear and, and, and plate that goes over top of it. And that's my, my deep water crankbait setup. Where I'm throwing that crankbait as far as I can. And you know, I'm almost dumping the spool every cast when I'm using it. You know, downside is is now I've got to actually, you know, put the the line on level with my with my finger, but in the same sense I'm getting more distance, I'm getting more uh 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 feel from that setup. You know that, that I have, you know, it's, and again, it's all relative to, to what you're doing and you know how how really in depth you want to go. And, and not to knock, you know, anyone who goes out and buys a, a thirty dollar combo or anything. That's great as long as you're fishing. I'm happy, man. Go out and yeah. fish. But you know, you know, when you start to to step up your game and you start to to realize that you know there's a reason that you know you know, uh, Greg Hackney or KVD or any of these guys, when you, they open up your, their rod lockers, 
you know, it looks like they've got five of the same rod and reel, but then you realize that, you know, that, you know, one rod is, is shorter in, in one section or longer in another. The reel might be, you know, a different gear ratio. And, and you start to, to put the math together and all those little pieces and parts to, to improve your game to make it not a hindrance or a issue, but of a of an ease of of, of one less thing you need to worry about. So I'll fight. All right. I'll fight so far. Good. Now there was. <laughs> didn't you have one of those radio wrapped rods, Mark? Oh yeah, I love my my acid wraps. With a, so it's a conventional reel, but then the guides twist around to where at the end they're on the opposite side of the rod, right? Yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a hybrid. You know, it's a conventional yeah. start starting from the reel to a spinning setup, and, and you know I've I've only got them on my my saltwater rods, uh, yeah. you know, for, you know, vertical jigging, stuff like that. I have one that I use for, you know, throwing, you know, three, four-ounce jigs at, at Cobia and stuff like that. But, you know, it just helps with, with, with the, the, the torque of the of the reel to the ride. And, you know, on a whole other subject, but, you know, yeah. how, you know, you, you, you hold your ride and, and everything else depends on which way, you know, does it, does it roll you know, counterclockwise, so well, clockwise, how close are the guides to make that, that transition? So how long are they? You know, what kind of line you're using are all variable factors. And what you're going after is, is also extremely important to those rods. You know, it's all funky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Matt's got his, his clips in there. Mr. Pun, working the night. Cool. Well, it's been like just uh, a few minutes. Like it seems like we've been on here, and we're already coming around to the quarter, uh, three quarters past. So, um, what are the game plans for the weekend? Who's who's going fishing? Where are you going fishing? What's been what's biting? What are you going after, Mark? You're at the top of the list here in the studio, so. Um, your... Well, Saturday, Saturday, Saturday morning, I'm gonna uh, fish a. Um, you know, it's an online tournament that we have up here in Virginia. Um, it's called the Virginia Bass League. Has a tournament this weekend, and um, I'm gonna fish in the morning, and then get off the water around 11, jump in the truck, and drive down to my local dove field and put some, some uh, hopefully some dove breasts in the the fridge for Sunday football and then pretty nice. much issue my brains out all Sunday. So, Yep. That's uh dove season goal. opens this weekend. That's right. So cool, man. And, uh, so good luck on the tournament, Matt, what are you doing? You're going to go out and catch a bunch of those little fluke again? Probably, but I'm actually taking veterans fishing on Saturday. Got a how event at saltwater out on that Sandy hook. That uh, sand spit we were checking out last weekend. Nice. So that should be a good time. That's a big event. I think we have about 180 attendees at this one already. So. Wow. We're ready. Uh, this, this one's cool because um, the Coast Guard actually hosts us at Coast Guard Base Number One, and cool. uh, they open their galley up to us for lunch, which is awesome. Oh yeah. So th- this is one of the favorite ones for all the vets. It's 
pretty good fishing right off the uh, the drop in there. So looking so, forward to it. That's my plans. All right. Hope to see some good uh, fish porn on the on the website or on the Facebook, man. Mr. Becker, what's up Sir. with you, man? Are you gonna fish this weekend or what? Well, actually, I'm uh, I'm still officially on a fishing hiatus until uh, until I talk to the cutter about the MRI results uh, I got back. So I, I'm not going to be uh, doing any any serious mm. lifting or anything else. However, Saturday, uh, Westwall Boats in Port Charlotte is doing a native demo day from 10 to 2. So uh, Robert, as part of the junior team, and I are going to go down and uh, take a look and support uh, support the demo day. Um, I'm actually looking forward to seeing he's going to have a native uh, propel 10 there. And, uh, ah. you know, checking it at 60 pounds, that's a lot more attractive than uh, than the boat I'm currently lifting onto the top of the car. So I had, he had that right. flown-in special for this demo. And, cool. uh, you know, I did ask him whether or not I should bring the roof racks, and he just smiled. So we'll, we'll, uh, uh-huh. we'll see what happens. But I'm looking forward to, to pedaling the, uh, and paddling the, the Slayer Propel 10. Nice. We'll see what... Uh, We'll see what breaks out from that. And I don't know if uh, if you saw the uh, the invite that Woody put up for the boondoggle, but any Propel owner uh, coming to the boondoggle, they're going to have the, the maintenance guys there. The the Propel guru is going to be there, and they're going to talk. They're going to show us how to dismantle it, take it all apart, do maintenance on it. If you need an upgrade or a replacement part or something like that, it's all all warranted parts for that weekend. So that's going to be happening at the boondoggle over at Cars Park. So. Yeah, definitely. And if, and if nothing else, um, take a few minutes before you go over. If you are a Propel Drive owner, take a couple of minutes before you go. Go to yakangler.com and take a look at the article I did working with John Kiermaier from, uh, from Native about maintaining the Propel Drives. And then go over there and watch him do it and let him walk you through doing it. Um, you know, kind of learn the vocabulary and, and the pieces parts before you go. I think it'll it'll help you understand the drive a little bit better. And there are a lot of upgrades coming out to the Propel drives. Uh, uh-huh. Different cranks, different gear setting with a different type of seal, um, different uh, different bearings that are going to be available. So it'd be helpful to know for you to know if you're bringing your Propel drive to the Boondoggle to know when it was made and what series drive it is so you know what upgrades might be available to you and what pieces, parts you might think about adding or, or upgrading on your drive. So All right. good, good information to bring with you to have. Definitely. So that one's going to be fun. So do you bring your own oil pan? or? Yeah, yeah. You're, they got a lift <laughs> yep. there. You pull it up, get up under <laughs> it, bring your little red rag, your little red mechanics rag with you and stuff. Yeah. It's cool. Dude, pedals are in, man. Pedals are where it's at, man. I love my pedals. So, and if I don't get it to before then, I will get you. I will definitely bring the uh, that paddle pole down to you, Matt, Greg. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't had an opportunity to box that rascal up. It's sitting in the corner of the room right here. I'm looking at it. So, but uh, cap. I'm sure it looks uh, very comfortable where it is. Yeah, it's not doing too bad. There's a little dust on it though. <laughs> and you're and you're not in the water, so Cap, you going fishing this weekend, man? Yeah, I'm gonna try. We got uh, picked up some of the conceal uh, 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 
uh, pre-cut kits off of hook one, uh, uh-huh. you know, do some sound deadening on the canoe and, on, and uh, you know, we realized we're making a bunch of noise out there and I think that'll help a little bit. Um, so I'll, I'll get that on this weekend and, and probably do a little wet run there somewhere. If worst yeah. case scenario, there's, there's a couple, couple lakes that are minutes away. And, uh, if I can't make it to the river, uh, I'll get on the lake. Try to scare some pics, or two. Man. Post some pics yeah. of the install, that kit. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. So, 6 o'clock Saturday night, man. Actually, 7 o'clock Eastern. San Jose State is going down. <laughs> so. <laughs> you got a few of cherries on the schedule. <laughs> yeah. Got to have a couple, man. Well, we kicked it off with Arkansas, man. I mean, yeah. so. Bumped it up. We're like five or six, right? Something like that yeah. on the polls? Five. Alabama showed up well to play, uh, what, West Virginia High School there and just about got beat. Yeah, that's <laughs> for West Virginia's folks. Yeah. You know those, those knuckleheads? Uh, uh, sorry, sorry, boys that are out there on the call. We're going to talk Auburn football for five minutes here. <laughs> I tried to get tickets. When, when Auburn came up to play West Virginia a year or two ago, uh, West Virginia's just down the road from us, not too far away. I saw I go online trying to get tickets. They want like seventeen hundred dollars for a ticket. I know. In like, West Virginia. Yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> that's the only reason. That that's why everybody wants to play at SEC school right now. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Get the big bucks. Get the big bucks. Oh, all right. Anyways. We're not biased towards any specific college football team as long as it's orange and blue. So, um, and we'll root for anybody in Alabama. That's right. We'll root for anybody who's playing against Nick and the boys over there in, in the maroon color. So, all right. Well, it has been fun tonight. It's good to see everybody out there getting on the water and all that good stuff. Um, talked a little bit about fishing rods tonight. Hope that was uh, enjoyable. Looking forward to the next few weeks. We're going to be having some guest hosts on the show from Native Watercraft, Yak Attack. We'll have Luther, the man himself, Wilderness Systems, Austin Kayak, Bend Branches, NRS, and Werner Paddles. They're all going to be on the show talking up uh, what's going to happen over at the Boondoggle. So tune in. Monday night kickoff with uh, Redfish Chuck. Wednesday night low sodium. Mark's already dropped off and headed for... uh, headed for the chow line, I guess. And uh, he's uh, working low sodium on Wednesday nights, and we're back here again on Thursdays here on Buzzards Road just talking about whatever we want to talk about in kayak fishing and maybe a little bit of football. So, And that's where he went. I know he went out. He, he's watching the stinking football game. All right. So take a kid yeah, fishing. Go ahead. Yeah, come on. Let's go. Game's on. Yeah, game's on. All right. Game's on. We'll see everybody next week. Take a kid fishing. Wear your PFD when you're out there. and Watch out for the great whites. They're out there off the coast somewhere. We'll talk to everybody later. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you next time.